We owe the world an encounter of Jesus. Everywhere I go and when I talk to people who don't know the Lord, um, more than objections about the veracity of our faith, they have, they have agony over the paucity of their own experience. And, and I realize all the time that I am actually a problem child for people. My experiences of God have been so persistent and so um, intense over so many years. And I don't know what it's like to not experience God. And I mean, I'm just like anybody else. I know what it's like to pray for some stuff for a long time and not see it get answered. I know what it's like to need a word and not get one. But if you, if you study your Bible, you'll find that, that, that for most of the champions of our faith, they have these episodic encounters of God. I, Abraham is my model for that. 25 years that we know about his life up to the time of Isaac's birth. And we basically know about five encounters he had with God, five. We don't know what happened in between, but we do know what Abraham's life is. Abraham is the father of monotheism in the world. You think about that a minute. The reason there is monotheistic religion in the world is Abraham and all of the monotheistic, the great monotheistic religions find their fatherhood in Abraham. Christianity, Islam, and of course, Judaism. And you want your life and I want my life to be a conduit for people to encounter God. Right? Isn't that what we want? So like tonight... Tonight, the worship team dialed into it. Steve pushed into it. I'm going to push again. Oh, to know him. Oh, to know him. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection. We want to know you. Paul said he wanted to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Yes, because listen, it's in abandonment that he comes to us often. It's in the desperate place, the desperate hour. And I hadn't started preaching yet. Spiritual Warfare 5 and the epilogue on the book, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me that in opening my mouth I may... Boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity is one of those things that people get in the world that all kinds of, uh, all kinds of mischief has been done by people who, have, who are diplomats and have therefore immunity from prosecution for all kinds of things. And you see all kinds of wonderful spy movies about people with diplomatic immunity and you see comedy routines about it. Paul didn't have it. <laughs> he didn't have it. 
He says, I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm an ambassador in chains. What kind of ambassadors are you? You're an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ where you, where you are, where you work. You're an ambassador for Christ in the midst of whatever people group you're in, whatever circle you're in, whatever group you're in, you're the ambassador. You're the representative. I do find that people expect me to be very judgmental because why do people, why do people expect Christians to be judgmental? Is that because we're so good at it? You know, I, I sometimes I meet somebody and they, they ask you what you do and, I, and I'll tell them and it changes everything. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Stop that. You get to be you and I get to be me. And there's not a chasm and there's not a, there's not a spirit of judgment. Being an ambassador is not being a judge. Being an ambassador is being one who carries the message. And the message is intended to make the connection. So you're the connector. People don't have experiences with God. You're the connector. I'm the connector. What's going on here in this passage? Well, I, we just went through the passage on spiritual warfare, and then he says, now pray. We just went through the get geared up, now pray. What's the prayer about? Um, man, the mystery of prayer. I got shelves of books on prayer. All of them helped me. None of them got me praying. You know what'll get you praying? The Holy Spirit. You know what'll get you praying? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit makes the connection. What do you need most of all to pray? A connection. Mom Miguel and I just went off for four days. We spent four days together. You might know that we don't have that much to tell each other that we don't already know. have a deep and profound and peaceful flowing connection. Do you have a connection? What will it get you praying? What will get you praying is the connection. All right. So now I love that it says pray at all times in the spirit. The great passage on prayer for me is Luke chapter 11. I'm not going to take you there. I'm going to tell you there. So as you can take yourself there. But in Luke 11... The disciples have seen Jesus praying and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> and Jesus did this incredible thing. He said, when you pray, say. And he actually gave them a prayer. Now, I love this because this will help you to know this. The Lord's Prayer, as it's called in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer is of such a nature that if you just say it, you can't miss. I grew up in those churches where, where every week there, was a, there would be a reading and then there would be a prayer by the, by the 
by the priest, if you will, the Lutheran pastor. And then at the end of his prayer, he would say these words, as you have taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then what happened? We all joined it as you have taught us to pray. And then we all prayed. We all said the words. And I used to be offended. I did because I had a religious spirit before I had religion. <laughs> I was offended because, hey, we're just saying it. It's just a rote thing. Let me tell you something that's beautiful about it. It's a perfect prayer. You can say it and you're praying and you can't miss. The words that Jesus gave us to pray in the model prayer or the Lord's prayer are fail-safe praying. You can never pray for the wrong thing when you say those words. You can never miss. And so lots of people have built whole prayer ministries on that, but that still wasn't it. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why do you want somebody to teach you to pray? Because you experienced them praying. And here's what you found. There was actually a connection. See, because you can say the words without the connection, and that's what everybody gets offended about. Now, I, here's what I just did in case you missed it. I encourage you to say it anyway. Why? Because I'm encouraging you to give God some space where he can come meet you. Create, create the room for the connection. However, it was the connection they wanted. They wanted that connection. They saw it. I'm telling you, you ever get with somebody you can pray, you'll be like, that's my guy. That's my lady. And, and if you ever get a prayer partner that like knows how to pray, <laughs> it'll change your life forever. Two or three people that I've seen like that in, in my life, it's, um, one of them I remember um, was Laura Stark. And I remember the first time I was ever around Laura when, I, when, I, when she started praying. And man, Laura, it was like she called on the name of the Lord and she instantly just dragged us into his presence. And I was like, whoo! And I wanted that. I wanted to be instantly, I wanted to be instantly in the presence what do you need if you're in prison? The presence of God. What do you need if you're ambassador? The presence of God. What do you need if you're talking to people who are dull of hearing and dull of spirit? The presence of God. How does the presence come? The presence is not merely, we, we all think it's just unconditional love. Eh, I got some arguments with unconditional love. It is love. But it's, it's something that creates the connection. Now, what did I notice about Laura? She prayed in the spirit. Tongues, that wasn't it, but sometimes. When I first moved to Albuquerque, the Lord put a man in my life, and I've told you about him before, and the reason I'll bring him up is because he, he just ended up in the hospital recently. His name is Jerry Arnell. He's an artist. And some of you will know him from his online painting schools. Or um, he's he's a uh, he he loves to tell me he's never had a job. All he's ever done is paint. When I first met Jerry, um, he said he said 
come on, Ellen, let's go up the mountain and pray. Man, I was 300 pounds. I didn't want to go up any mountain. But he would drag me up the mountain. And I would be so happy when he said, we're going to stop and pray here. Because <laughs> just stop was all I wanted to hear, you know. He dragged me up. Now I love to go up in the mountains now. He would drag me up there and he'd stop. We're going to pray right here. And then old Jerry would just start praying. He would just start praying. And it was the same thing. He would just drag me into the presence. And the thing that was always interesting about him, he never prayed long. I was always happy about that. You know, there's nothing worse than long prayers without the presence. <laughs> Have you noticed that Jesus gave us a short prayer to say and not a long one? And, and, and then I would he'd be praying with him and he would go, okay, that's it. Instead of saying amen, he would say, that's it. Like the first few times I'd be like, how does he know? And what is it? What is it? What? You know, I didn't know Jerry very well. But he kept asking me to come with him. It was always like, get up before. There's two things I don't like to do is get up before daylight and, and wake up and immediately start exercising. He had me doing both just so I could be with him. And here we go, man. And I just kept going. And finally, one day I said, that's what? Because y'all know me. Sooner or later, I'm going to say what I'm thinking. He would say, it's it, Alan. So, well, what is it, Jerry? He said, we got what we asked for. I'm like, well, how do you know? He'd look at me like, how do you don't know? <laughs> That's prayer, man. That was prayer. And you just keep doing it. And there's two things Jerry would do. One of them was he'd say, every day he'd see me. Alan, it a great day. That was the other thing that drove me insane. I'd be like, dude, I'm not awake. It's not a great day. And I remember the day that I finally couldn't stand it any longer on that. I said, Jerry, I said, your wife is sick. Your son's addicted to drugs. Your other son is handicapped. You're broke. And all you ever say is it's a great day. He said, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> he said it's a great day Alan it's a great day to be in Jesus that dude never lost that right and I want you to know he dragged me he dragged me into prayer now I was a Baptist in those days hallelujah and you know praying was like one of the big five you know how you go to Africa and shoot the big five. Praying was one of the big five in the Baptist church. We had our own big five. You can figure out what they are. If you go, when I go to Baptist churches now, just to visit, I'll count to see if they get me the big five in the sermon. It's like big five things you gotta do to be a good Christian, to be a good disciple. And, and, and praying was always was like the discipline of prayer. No, man, I don't want the discipline of prayer. I want the ecstasy of prayer. Because I want you to know, 
if, the, if prayer is going into the Holy of Holies with God, it's supposed to be powerful. Because I want you to know, when I go into the place of privacy with mama and shut the door, it's glory. I'm sorry, come on, can we talk? And I'm like, don't tell me prayer ain't supposed to be better than that. I don't know why y'all got me preaching on this stuff. I learned to pray in the spirit before I ever received the gift of tongues. When I received the gift of tongues, it certainly made it a lot easier. The gift of tongues is like having a pilot light that's never out. You just turn on the gas. And... But praying in the spirit is just praying into and from the presence. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus, he gave them that model prayer. And then if you look in Luke 11, he then told them, about the fatherhood of God. He told them about if you ask him for bread, if you ask him for an egg, if you ask him for fish, he told you that God would only give you good gifts. And then the last verse of that story teaches to pray. He gives them the model prayer, takes them through the examples of he, the Father will only give you good gifts when you ask. And then he says this word to them. The Father loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I remember the first time I saw that. And you want to pray? What do you got to do? You got to pray in the spirit. You want to pray with a connection? You got to pray in the intimacy of Holy Spirit. So what do you got to do? You and I have to connect with Holy Spirit. And listen, we have to connect with Holy Spirit in such a way that when we're around people, they will say to us, Teach me about you. Those two people I told you about, both of them, I said, I remember the first time I said to Laura, how do you do that? And she didn't give me an explanation. She just gave me testimony. And that mostly just frustrated me. Testimonies are, testimonies are frustrating to people who don't have one. When I went with Jerry, he dragged me into an experience over and over again. He took me. Now, I've told this before, but I remember when, uh, when Jerry told me he was moving to Oklahoma. Probably, I've, there's never been a person ever that I've had to separate from that it broke my heart more than losing my prayer partner, ever. I've left churches left relationships, seeing people move away. But dude, that one was like ripping my flesh. And then I remember the day 
You know what I started doing? Going to the mountains by myself. You know what I started doing? Seeking the Lord for myself. Let me tell you the good news about seeking God. He can be found. That's what that prayer tells about. That's what that Luke 11 tells about. He can be found. He will answer you. He will answer you. And I, listen, I hope you're sitting there and you're mad and you're like, well, he's not answering me. Good, get mad. He ain't bothered by your mad. He can endure your mad. He's, he's endured a lot more than, a, than your mad. I'm always happy when people are mad because you know what? We obsess over the stuff we're mad about. You just seek the Lord more. You have to experience him. Oh, taste and see that he is good. Praying at all times. He's assuming they know. He's assuming they know. They've learned this. They've learned how to pray. And they pray in the spirit. And with perseverance, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Oh, it's time. Oh, it's time. I'm so glad that when, when the world raised up a movement of rioting, the Lord raises up a movement of worshiping and praying. Because you know what riots are? They're prayers of the angry, prayers of the dispossessed, prayers of the alienated. So we have the answer. I was going to tell you about some other stuff. I'm not now because you made me talk about this. I'm still, I'm still dealing on this spiritual warfare thing, and I'm still dealing with. I, I'm gonna, I am gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. But this is the ambassador in change, and he's saying, "Pray for me." And Paul, man, Paul was connected to Jesus. And what we do is, listen, we don't exist to argue people into a position of accepting our worldview. We invite them. To experience our King. Oh. And what we want to do is we want to live the life so that they'll ask us the questions. Why, why do you act this way? Can you teach me to pray? Nothing's more wonderful than when you're when, when somebody is stirred up and because, because they've seen something in you that they can't explain away. They've seen something in you that they can't, they can't uh, disconnect from without going, man, I want that. I'm praying for you right now, every one of you, that you're gonna have the experience that somebody will come and say, tell me why you're like you are. Tell me why you're going through this awful mess. Tell me why your wife is sick, your son is addicted, your other son is handicapped and you're broke and you still have the joy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? This is what we need. This is what we need. Listen, I'm as mad as anybody, just so you know. The world has me mad. The political situation has me mad. COVID has me mad. I'm mad about it. But you know what? None of that stuff is healing me. But what is healing me is deeply getting into the presence of the Lord. 
So this week, so this week when I was away, one of the things I did every day was turn on a song that helped me connect to Jesus and play it over and over until I was just lost. I used that crushing snake song. Right? Hallelujah. I was, I was, you know that walking on hands of angels, crushing snakes? And I was like, I wrote to Stephen and said, what, what on earth does that even mean? And then Colleen wrote to me and said, it's Psalm 91, knucklehead. I'm like, oh, I'm the scholar. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that. I didn't know that. I just forgot. Man, I put, put myself into that song. Why? I want the presence. Why? Because I don't want the stuff to come out of me that's going to defile the world, but the stuff to come out of me that's going to heal the world. I want to be an ambassador in chains to the trouble of the hour, ambassador in chains to the misery of the hour, an ambassador in chains to the sickness of the hour, but still alive, still with joy, still with peace, still with hope. Hallelujah. I put on, do you, do you, whoo. <laughs> Another one was storm all around me. Oh my goodness. I'm drunk on that song. You know that song, Doc? Storm all around me. Hallelujah. Whoo. And I just, why? You have to put yourself in the presence of God. You have to, if you know the way, if you've ever been there once, you know how to get there. <laughs> the way you know, Jesus said, if he said that before he poured out the Holy Spirit on the disciples, how much more? And I see people, they say, well, all I've ever had is one little experience. I'm like, dude, that's all you need. Steward it, steward it like a little ember of fire. I was, in, I was in the Colorado fires. Don't tell me a spark can't cause a blaze. And especially if you're dry wood. You say, all I got is one little memory of one little experience. Then you go and stay there at that place till he comes and breathes on that thing. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering flax he will not quench. The Lord is gentle towards us and he's able, so much able I bless you tonight. I don't care what you've lost. I bless you tonight that you will have an increase of his presence in, his, in your life, an increase of his hope in your life, an increase of the knowledge of him. Stop looking to somebody else to take you where he's already shown you how to go. Go there. And so when my friend called me a few years later and he said, Alan, I've got cancer and they tell me I'm gonna die. I had one of those experiences where for the first time in my life, I went to the mountain and I said, God, you better speak to me. And I called up my friend and said to him, you surely shall not die because the Lord spoke to me and he's alive today. That was 20 years ago. Hallelujah. And listen, he said, I don't have a lot of, no, I don't have a lot of experiences like that, but that's, that's a pretty good ember right there. I can blow on that ember. I can blow on that ember. Lord, we need our nation to heal tonight. 
We need our nation to heal. We need the lies of the serpent to be brought to nothing. We need those things which tear us apart to be laid aside for that which brings us together so that you may know. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. He said, I want you to, he said, and the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. Paul made such a connection with these people and now he's separated from them and he says, well, I'm sending, I'm sending Tychicus. I'm sending him, I don't know if I pronounced it right, whatever, it don't really matter. I'm sending him. Colossians letter has the same, by the way, the Colossians letter has some of the, a lot of the same content and then has the same little epigram. So this is like a circular letter. And, and this young man is taking this one and who knows what other letters from Paul and going around to the churches. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord He'll tell you everything. I entreat you men that you would be beloved brethren, faithful ministers in the Lord. I don't care what you know about culture or science or philosophy. I care what you know about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who is and was and is to come. The one whose feet we will cast the crowns at his feet. I care about that. What will you know about Jesus? I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you might know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from the God and Father, the Lord Jesus. Grace be with you all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So here's what happens. If you remember, the book of Ephesians begins with a long prayer that Paul prays for them. It's an extended prayer in terms of uh, length of words in the letter. And then it ends with a short exhortation that they would bring it back on him. How do I pray in the spirit? Get filled. Say, how will I know? Above all things you'll know because the old dry gulch will flow again. See, I'm praying for you tonight that you're not only gonna go back to that place of encounter and stir it up again, but that you're gonna, you're gonna flow with life and you'll become a source. You'll be a source. Oh, don't be a source of anger and contention and division. Be a source of hope and grace and life. 
Be one who can see beyond the pandemic. Be one who can see beyond the politics. Be one who can see beyond the moment. A kingdom that cannot fail. A kingdom that will never fail. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus. And then he blesses them. Peace be to you with love and faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love that's incorruptible. Let's stand together and let's receive him. Let's receive him again. Let's receive him again. Okay, it's the tangible thing, right? It's the tangible thing. You take the bread in your hand. Ah. Somebody help my brother. You don't need help? Yeah, he'll help you. We're here to help each other. All right, you got it, you got it. Love Bradley. I don't have a more faithful church member than my brother Bradley. Huh? All right. All right. You live your whole life with one hand, you can sure handle that, right? Lord, mediate your presence to us tonight in the bread and the cup. We eat your flesh and drink your blood that we may encounter you and know you. Church, this is the body of Christ which is given for us. Thank you, Lord. This is the blood of the new covenant. This is Jesus pouring his life out for us and to us and in us and through us. We receive you, Lord. If you need prayer tonight, you want somebody to pray for you tonight, once you start coming, I'm going to exhort just a minute more, but if you're here tonight with a, with a need in your body or your soul, your relational life, your finances, if you're here with a need, you come. We're going to pray for, we're going to pray for one another before we leave. Church, I'm living so much right now off of a, an old prophecy. I thought I might go into it. I, I may end up going into it tomorrow, but it's an old prophecy. It was given in 1992. I've mentioned it a number of times. I'm probably going to mention it a lot of times. Because you see, when God does a work, you don't know how he's going to do it. And I'm asking God to do a work. And it's a, it's a work that's rooted in this old prophecy that I, 
that I have um, read and known and cherished. I think I may give you just a piece of it. It's okay. We won't worry about the kids. The kids are fine. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, listen, it's COVID. We're going to have, we're going to have, right? Hey, listen, it's a new season, a new way, new way of being together. It's, it's a new time of being together. You have no idea how much I cherish the fact that you guys brave the moment and say, we're coming together. We're going to get together. You have no idea how much I cherish the fact of seeing your faces and seeing you when you drive up. How much I love you because you're faithful to come. I want you to taste and see. I don't have less love for those that I don't see. I just have less access to. I'm so grateful that we can connect in many ways. This uh, prophetic word, I sense a convergence of aims that might have the disconcerting result of linking charismatics, conservative evangelicals, and social action liberals in a united front of power and divisiveness. It will usher in terrible conflicts that will split churches and denominations, scandalize people of all persuasions with its crudeness and combativeness, and leave a litter of damaged people and ruined careers in its wake. You say, you like that prophecy? Oh, you bet I do. Why? Because desperate ills demand desperate remedies. I'm going to stop with that. Something is happening, people. Something is happening. Something painful and dramatic is happening in our culture. And you're going to find yourself in partnership with people that you disagree with on almost everything except wanting the land to heal. Friends are where you find them. And I'm going to tell you this also. If you study the history of the kingdom of God, God always solves problems with trouble. Have you seen the cross? Have you read the book of Revelation? He always solves problems with trouble. We should be praying for the earthquake and the lightning to hit. I don't mean this in some flippant way. I mean, Lord, we're praying for your kingdom and whatever you have to do to convulse the kingdoms of this world to bring forth your glorious kingdom, do it. Remember when you used to pray when you first met Jesus and you said, I don't care what you have to do to me, Jesus. Do whatever you have to do to me. Just I want, your, I want to be used by you. I want your glory in my life. Remember that? You weren't praying for a life of ease. <laughs> All right. Kingdom prayers. Come on. If you want, if you want, if you want prayer tonight, come on. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah.